Welcome to Secrets, the recent winner of the Black Podcasters Listeners Love Award, where KP and PR share their knowledge and experiences in corporate America to advocate for creating generational wealth for the village. Here's how our listener describes Secrets. Keith and Ricky talk about everything in the workplace and beyond that you've always wanted to know about but never really felt comfortable asking. From microaggressions to being your authentic self to systemic racism, KP and PR provide some of the most excellent career advice on the market. And in season six, these brothers will continue coming with hot fire on how to stay on code and trying to reach and exceed your career aspirations, how to use your power and privilege for good, and how to survive the same old corporate performative acts. Your hosts, Keith Powell and Ricky Robinson, want to challenge you, as well as corporate America, to be better and do better. So fill up those cups and welcome to season six. Hey, Secrets Village. Welcome to another episode of the show. KP, what's happening with you, my brother? What's going on uh, in your mind today? Yeah, you know what, Ricky? I'm doing okay, and it's good to see you as usual. And one thing that's just just on my mind right now is this whole narrative that's going on in the country right now about white disadvantage. That's dangerous. <laughs> it's totally dangerous. And the thing is, it's very intentional on top of being dangerous, and there's this push in our country to like portray a narrative of like white victimization. Mm. And I just don't get it. I'm really struggling with it right now. And all of this is showing up in things like these banned book campaigns that's going on around the country. And it's showing up in all of these attempts to like gerrymander all of these congressional districts, mm-hmm. you know, the thing like what's been going on in Alabama, which is crazy. I mean, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. I mean, they were just like, we just gonna do what we want to do because <laughs> right, we right. can. We ain't trying. Uh-huh. We ain't trying to even listen to what you got to say. It's showing up in you know again with the Supreme Court kind of limiting race as a factor in college admissions. It's showing up in these backlashes against DEI efforts in schools and universities and workplaces. All of this stuff is just crazy to me because I just don't get it. It's like where are you suffering? Yeah, exactly. Well, I mean, look, we history, <laughs> history shows that the triumph continues to occur. Every the triumph, day. Every day. The conquering, <laughs> you know, continues to occur. And there is no greater illustration of the advantage of whiteness playing out right before our eyes when we look at the mess going on with the 91 times indicted former president of the U.S. Breach. I mean, he is being treated... <laughs> With kid gloves by the courts. Yeah, totally. And I they mean, talk about two tiers of justice. Yeah. But I mean, like, we're talking count after count after, after count, count, okay? You now look, you know, no black or brown person will be receiving this type of favorable treatment if they were mouthing off like him. Not even close. Popping off. Popping off. You know, just saying they, shit. They'd be under know? the jail. Man, oh my goodness. Further. Nearly half of our country is backing this joker for another term as president, despite his attempts to overthrow the last election, despite multiple indictments and civil convictions, despite spewing racist, anti-Semitic, neo-Nazi rhetoric every single day. Every day. Like, like, every day. I don't like the name, but. They call him Teflon Don for Teflon a reason. Teflon Don, that's right. right. That's right. On his platform called Truth Social. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> like, if if you can't get in trouble doing, like, you know, when we was kids and you would try to do just enough to see what it would take 
for you not to get a whooping. That's right. Not to get your butt beat. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You're That's like, right. Well, I know I can at least do this. I can do this. Like, one. man, he ain't going to get no whooping. None. He ain't going to the tree to cut no switches. Not at all. He's going to have to pick one or nothing else. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's right. And all this is really, really sad to me because we've shared receipts over the years about how diversity makes us better. And how the demographics in this company, this country are shifting, right? Mm-hmm. We're undergoing a major transformation right now. But instead of like embracing the possibility of what diversity can bring to our future, we have these demagogues like the former president mm-hmm. and his followers just digging in at the end of the day and kind of yearning for this mythical past. Right. Right. right? <laughs> and even like. Today, this mythical presence that we're that we're in, where whiteness reigns supreme, right? At the end of the day, and, and it always has, and it, okay? all, it and, always and, has. and it always has, and right? not to change since this country was founded. Yeah, so so this 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 myth that they don't have an advantage, right? <laughs> okay, like, and we have even if he doesn't get reelected, we got other people trying to be him. Yes, mimicking. Yeah, every day, all of this stuff, and. And being on code, KP, I mean, it means that we are going to have to fight as hard as hell, okay, harder than we've ever fought before to overcome these dangerous narratives. Narratives where you say, where did this come from? Exactly. What how, is How this? did this happen? All of this hijacking of messages and all of this stuff, we're going to have to fight, which leads us to today's conversation. So, KP, talk to us about what we're going to talk about today. Yeah, in today's episode, we're going to talk about this white disadvantage myth and how it shows up in the world and in the workplace. And we'll provide some receipts on how the white disadvantage myth is just that, a myth. And we'll close out with a double dose of secrets on how to personally help dismantle and dispel the white disadvantage myth and what companies can actually do to create a more equitable environment in the workplace. Yeah. So look, so let's 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 kind of just dive into this real quick here. So in terms of dispelling the white disadvantage myth, okay, I want to speak on a current scenario that has the system being challenged based on what the powers that be have told us what is right. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. Now, that's a I'm lot. Ready. Like, I'm, I'm ready. I'm, I'm, get, I'm getting you. I'm getting let, you. Let me get a sip here. of my yeah, cocktail ahead, over here ahead. so I get ready. This brings me to the topic of our brother Dion Sanders. Okay. Uh oh. Yep. <laughs> Who has literally been charged with the task of turning shit into sugar? Okay. Yes. And, and again, we we and if you're not familiar with this term, I want you just to look in the mirror and just do a bit of a self reflection here to look at the promotions that you may have gotten or some of the opportunities that you have received mm-hmm. and see if someone's asked you to turn something into sugar. Yes. Okay. All day. All day. Because <laughs> his brother definitely has. Exactly. Now, again, forget about all of the accomplishments, the personal accomplishments. We've never seen outside of maybe one or two people who tried to play baseball and, and, and football simultaneously. Right. Professional. Okay. Right. Not only that, he was at the, Top levels of both sports. Absolutely. All-star and all-pro. Played two games in one day. Two games okay, in one like, day. Okay, let's, let's just talk right. about that. So he earned all of the accolades. He earned them as well as he should have. So no one really likes the brash stuff. I wouldn't say no one. Some people don't Some like people, it because I like right. it. Like, because my whole motto is... Shut me up then, right? If you don't, if you if you don't want you don't like Shut me being me good, down. you know, everything else, then prepare and 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 hold me back, right? So now th- his example or situation is a very familiar scenario that we have we have to face in corporate America as black, brown, 
and people of color getting a shitty opportunity and having to turn things around while white coaches and white leaders get a chance, get chance after chance. Okay, chance not after just chance. one chance, chance after chance. They fail up, as we've talked about before, despite poor performance, poor records, or even transgressions. Don't they always get off on that Man, one? Wow. Wow. They don't get fired. That's right. They just get transferred. They just get transferred. Get hired somewhere else. Yeah. And then they get the next opportunity right after that. Right. Whereas, you know. By their time. Why, why, why we, in comparison, you know, we suffer forever. Forever. Like that one opportunity that you got, if you didn't win, if you couldn't win fast enough, even though we know we wouldn't give you no good Mm -hmm. players. Now we're talking about Nick Saban. We're talking about Urban Meyer, we're talking about all Lane these people. Kiffin. All of these people who have, you know, been winners. Yeah, had problems at other places, but mm-hmm. have won, you know, in, 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 in other places. Mm-hmm. Like they get the best players because they got the best program. Mm-hmm. But now we have this system, you know, where it's like, okay, we got the transfer portal. You can't own, you know, college athletes like you did before. Right, okay. Right. Mm-hmm. Now you can transfer and go where you want. So now this brother done used the program, then used the system. To just be competitive. That's right. Because we're not even talking about he got the best team. No, no, we know no. He's he trying else. to get a team on the field. He's trying to win. He's trying not to get waxed off the off the field every week. You right. know what I mean? And now folks is mad. They're, They're not mad. mad. They big mad. They big Because he getting number one. Number, he getting top 25 recruits to come to this program that was in like the doldrums mm-hmm. before he started. Now they're winning. Exactly. Making all this national attention. All this national attention. And the thing that's tripping me out about that whole Deion Sanders thing, I mean, he took Jackson State, the HBCU, and they weren't winning right, right. before he got there. Within a year, they competing for the national championship for HBCUs. Mm-hmm. They won it. Mm-hmm. The next year, they end the championship and lost. But mm-hmm. still, they there, right? You have other coaches who kind of are doing the same thing. Barely you know, a 500 record Barely a 500 yep. record. And they're getting big jobs. Mm-hmm. They didn't hire them at Colorado, a team that's 1-11. Ain't won shit in a decade. Yeah, ain't been relevant. Ain't been relevant. Mm-hmm. Ain't heard about them since 1982 when yeah. they won a championship. Yeah, right, right. Right? And that's what he gets in return for, like, turning around another program. Yeah. Good take- luck, buddy. Yeah, have fun. Yeah, yeah, good luck. Start here. <laughs> Start here. If you prove yourself here, yeah. maybe we'll give you another opportunity. Yeah, but again, as we bring it back full circle is the some of these coaches who are at big programs are saying they're at a disadvantage. Right, right. They're at, at a disadvantage mm-hmm. because this brother then came in and, got, and people want to play for him. Right. Okay, mm-hmm. they're transferring from right. big schools. Right, he's now cheating him. the system. Oh yeah, cheating the system, and then he's using the rules by the definition that y'all gave me. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, anyways, KP, I could I could talk about that forever, man. I could talk about that forever. That's right, and I, you know, I just want to talk on another point. I I got to pick on the great state of Alabama for a minute, right? And we ain't even to- talking about the we ain't talking about the boat. We ain't talking about the. We're no, talking about no, that situation. No, no, no. You go. You gonna go there? I know you are because you, you've been talking about that for weeks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> but the man. great state of Alabama and how this ties into this white disadvantage myth, which is crazy. Alabama is doing everything it can to protect white Christian heteronormative models of living. At the end of the day, right? It has banned books. Mm-hmm. It has outlawed transgender rights. It has banned DEI programs in college. 
And it even tried to give a middle finger to the Supreme Court in its efforts to gerrymander congressional districts, right? And here's the topper for me. Because this is everybody probably knows some of that stuff. Right. But this one struck me when I saw it in the news. We got this small town in Alabama, right, that recently elected a black mayor for the first time in its history. Okay. This town is almost 70% black. First time, huh? And never had a black mayor. Wow. Never had black people on the city council, right? And they have election rules in, in, this, in this town that says, in order to run for mayor, you must submit the paperwork. In order to get on the ballot, showing your intent that you want to run, right? right. It seems mm-hmm. simple enough. If you want to run, fill out the paperwork, get on the ballot. So this brother, he submitted the paperwork. He was actually the only one to submit the paperwork. for you. So for years and years, white folk weren't submitting the paperwork, but they still got elected. Right. <laughs> <laughs> the rules don't apply to me. They right. apply to you. Okay? Just so we're clear. Right. So this dude submitted his paperwork. He was the only one to submit the paperwork. So by the rules, he won the election because yeah. he was the only one on the ballot. Right. At the end of the day, the all-white city council lost their shit. I bet you they did. <laughs> <laughs> and accused the mayor of playing the system. Yeah, because because once it works for 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 you, this is like the the what the birther you know thing, right? Here, right? This is we talking about Barack Obama wasn't an American citizen again. Exactly. Here. Show me your paperwork. Exactly. Now I can be mad at my people. This is seventy percent black town, yep. but at the end of the day, this city council immediately locked the doors. They would not give the mayor access to the buildings. <laughs> to any of the information that it t- took to run the town, nothing. They shut it down. Mm. They said, uh-uh. Yeah, my ball, I'm going home. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then they sat there in council session and reversed all the rules, changed all the rules yep. to remove the mayor from office under the guise that he had just committed election fraud. Oh, my, oh my goodness. Right? <laughs> so... They did. He didn't play the system. They didn't took everything away and said, we got to run another election now because that was all fraudulent. <laughs> so I'm trying to figure out where is the disadvantage in all of that? <laughs> right? Yeah. And to take it even further, I mean, I just look at Alabama. I'm going to pick on y'all today if you're from Alabama. Alabama is 69% white, 27% black, and 4% everything else, right? Mm-hmm. Yet the legislature is 77% white and 23% black and has no other racial representation at all. And it's also 84% male. This is not representative at all. To me, I can't see where the disadvantage is. Right, right. At the end of the day. The victim. Yeah, right. Just like, victim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the victim. We, can't, we can't do shit in Alabama yeah. because we're at a disadvantage. Yeah. I mean, this is sickening, you know, when you think about it. This is sickening. Now, I mean, if we're talking about Alabama, right? I mean, they got they got a rich history. They got a rich history of of just taking advantage of people, of making the rules when they want it to be. All of those types of things. That's 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 Alabama for Mm -hmm. you. right? And look, I've I've been to Alabama. Like I've spent some time in Alabama. I've been to Alabama. I get it. You know. But my third eye is always on when I want to go to Alabama, right? But 
Real quick, before I get into this, I'm a clown. One, one time, because right, I've been meaning to talk about this Alabama boat incident. Okay? Oh, before Lord. I, yeah, now, out of all the time, see, so they just used yes. to doing whatever they want to do, and ain't nobody going to fight back. Nothing going to happen. But on that day. On that day. On that particular day, okay, when that brother was just trying to do his job, okay, and they was showing out on him, when he threw that hat up in the air. He did. And the hat didn't come down. We didn't it's see the hat lie. come down. I didn't even see the hat no the more. The hat didn't come down, boy. Mm-mm. He squared him up, dog. <laughs> he wasn't taking no ass whooping that day. He was not he taking an ass whooping. Hey, and matter of fact, nobody that was around there who was black was taking no ass was whooping that no day. Ass whooping that day. was the day. That was the revolt that Look, day. Our people were on code. Because yeah. that brother jumped out that boat and started swimming. Yes. I ain't never seen no black person swim that fast. He was swimming fast, too. He was swimming fast as hell. Yeah. You know, like they say, he was stroking. <laughs> he was stroking. You know what I'm saying? Like, now look, all of the memes that came out with the with the folding chair and the brother created the, that's why you gotta love our people, right? Because yes. we turned something as horrific as that event, mm-hmm. you know, into a teachable moment. You know, all when I say teachable, I bet you they won't do that again. They won't do okay? that again. And again, out of all of the things that they feel like they're privileged to and that they can do, I'm not a I'm not at all advocating violence. What I am advocating is is advocating and fighting for you what's what's right. Yes, okay. Exactly. And, and sometimes it takes extraordinary measures mm-hmm. to make people see you. Yes. Okay. It and does that's exactly, exactly right. you know what we're talking about. So again, as we're talking about making people see you. I want to talk about the attempts to dismantle affirmative action. Here we go. If people of color were getting such an advantage in college admissions and hiring, but just why didn't the data show that? Yeah, it sure don't. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? We just like, shared receipts. Like we're talking about emotion. We're not talking about fact. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> this recent Supreme Court decision on affirmative action in college admissions, it's just disturbing. It is. You know, to me, right? This decision will either provide less opportunity for admissions into college or it will discourage people of color for applying in the first place. Yeah. Ricky, you and I did this little summer camp together this past summer, right? And we were asking seventh and eighth graders, like, what issues they cared about from a social justice perspective. Mm -hmm. And I just remember a few of those kids in that room said that they were, like, devastated by the Supreme Court Mm -hmm. decision. These are 12 and 13-year-old kids. Shouldn't even have to be worried about this. Who are already thinking about how this is going to impact their lives in terms of their ability to get into college and to do what they want to do with their lives. Yeah. I remember one of the questions one of the kids asked, so since we can't get into their schools, will they no longer be able to get into our schools? Yep. Mm-hmm. Damn, these 12 and 13-year-old kids, man. Like, I didn't have an answer for them. I didn't either. But <laughs> when you start thinking about rolling things back, you know, and everyone having a fair opportunity because again, we're we're talking about white people using affirmative action to their advantage and yes. being able to get an HBCUs. Absolutely. And we already know the biggest beneficiary of affirmative action is white women. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's just it's it's just like uh making it harder, you know, uh for us to 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 do anything, right? Do anything. Because we're talking about applying uh, to, to to college and all of that, just making it harder for us to vote. Yep. I mean, the goal is to disenfranchise people and get them to stop advocating for themselves, as we spoke about. Yes, the mind manipulation, the mind fuck, right? <laughs> the Jedi mind trick, right? All of this stuff without affirmative action, we don't 
get a fair shake for college or a job, you know, even housing. That's right. right. But with affirmative action, white people feel like we only got the opportunity because of affirmative action. We can't win. So what type of advantage is that? Yeah, like, I'm just, I'm confused. That's right. It really is no, let's, we not win it. Yeah. That's, <laughs> we're, we're talking about some stuff. Again, we're talking about some shit rooted in some other shit. That's you know right. what I'm saying? Like, yes. you know, you you ever get in an argument about something after the argument? You're like, now what was we arguing about? That's now? right. What were we talking about? Yeah, That's exactly. Right. This, this is this is yeah. This is like, something. Like. This is something rooted in something else. Mm-hmm. You got 12 and 13 year old kids who don't understand it. Don't understand. And a, it. An adults can't explain, they explain it to them because right. it don't make no sense to us. Exactly. Either. It exactly. makes no sense to us. And I got Apollo Abraham one more time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Because we all know about the stories about Alabama and the civil rights movement. Yeah. I'm going to mm-hmm. take it back for a minute, yep. right? Two of the greatest, in my mind, two of the greatest PR scams in the history of America of all time inv- mm-hmm. involve Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King, yep. right? Because the stories, their stories and activism have basically been watered down to make white folks feel comfortable and less culpable yep. for the racism that exists existed and continues to exist in our country today, mm-hmm. right? It's all about protecting this white advantage mm-hmm. that we've been talking about because there is no disadvantage. It's all about protecting the advantage, right? At the end of the day, because we can, re- you know, we can point to Rosa Parks and Martin Luther King as nonviolent activists that everyone feels should be the role model. You know, mm-hmm. this is the pro- these are the people we should be looking up to as the proper way to advocate for change mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. the society based on their stories, right? And how they taught us the stories. But that those narratives fail to tell the whole story, right? They try and tell us that, you know, it just so happened that one day Rosa was just so tired. <laughs> She was just so tired. Yeah, she didn't have a long day. You know, she didn't have a long yeah. day at work, and she just tired and right. just decided to sit down yeah. in the seat. Yeah, that sounds that sounds <laughs> sounds like a good story, right? Yeah, they don't tell you about the 10, 15 years of advocacy. Yeah, that she was like beating on doors, showing up at city council mm-hmm. meetings, being part of the NAACP, yeah, rallying people, all the things that she was doing before that. Yeah. So she got to the point where she was so frustrated and pissed off that she said, I'm sitting down today and I dare anybody to tell me to get out of my mm-hmm, seat. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> At the end of the day. And the same thing with Martin. It was just like all of a sudden he's given the I I have a dream speech. Right. And, you know, because of that, you know, he was able to sit down with Lyndon Johnson and JFK and negotiate some new legislation and the world got beautiful. <laughs> right? Yeah, a lot a lot is missed in between. A that. lot of missed in between that in terms of all the things he did leading up to that. And then after all of that, that's when he got like totally like revolutionary yeah. and became uh-huh. a problem yep. because he started to advocate for most shit like poverty and housing and all the th- reparations yeah, uh-huh. and equal all pay. The, yep. And that's why he got assassinated. Mm-mm-mm. Because now he was starting to sound like Malcolm X. Right. And right. people didn't like that uh-huh. at the end of the day. So all of this stuff, it for me, it's just like, that's all to perpetuate a system and a story mm-hmm. of advantage. Yeah, I mean, like, and and to reduce it or minim, minimize or mitigate the the, the guilt mm-hmm. to mitigate. Like, I mean, look, we're talking about 
not calling slavery slavery anymore and calling it involuntary relocation. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still on that, Keith. I'm sorry, man. I'm still on involuntary relocation, man. Like, I can't. Like, like, really? I can't. Look, one last point to make for me to make, uh, KP. You know when someone starts off a sentence with, and another thing? <laughs> or, or when they say, look here? Look here. This is one of them things for me right here, right? So look here. You know you know it's about to be good. Okay, yeah, we, we know that. Okay? We know it is. I have been accused, and I know some of my leaders within the Secrets Village have had the same accusations levied against them of hiring too many of your people. Friends, people that you know, whatever. Yeah, yeah, exactly. When white people do this all the doggone time. Every minute. Like, I mean, in fact, they are generally so blatant about it that you have to question yourself sometimes when you challenge them about trying to hire their unqualified kids, Mm -hmm. their family members, neighbors or friends. Of friends, like this, sometimes right. just like three degrees of separation. This is a sure friend can. of a friend. I don't even know the friend. That's right. You know what I'm saying? I don't even know him. But somebody said, you know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like they're hiring people like this. When we routinely, routinely refer people for roles that are oftentimes overqualified for that particular role, but can't even get a goddamn call back. Yeah, not at all. Not, not at even all. a callback. Not even a callback. Like, I mean, some of the excuses you hear when you're talking about hiring people with PhDs in master's degrees or you know, whatever it is, like with unbelie- undeniable, undeniable credentials. credentials. And it is, is a reason or excuse. Well, yeah, well, you know, X. Mm-hmm. But the next time, that's the story of our life is the next time. That's right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But the next time never comes. Oh, and then, no. And no. We, have, we have literally sat and watched this happen. Yeah. Where it's just like you have an opening and you're going through a process. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden, some dude, this mm-hmm. is usually a dude, mm-hmm. shows up out of the blue and gets the job. You're like, you in HR. And yeah. I don't find that before. We're usually in some shape or form involved in the process. And yeah. then someone comes up out of the blue and it's like, where did this? Yeah. Yeah. Where did this person come from? Yeah, exactly. Not even in the system, not in the queue, not in the nothing. But now they got a job offer and then we got to like reverse engineer. And, and ain't even got to fight for right. the terms <laughs> within the job offer. It, nothing. We got to reverse engineer shit just yeah. to make it work and look like it was proper. <laughs> I know. I know. <laughs> we gotta crazy? be we gotta be magicians. magicians you know, we over here playing three card Molly on on getting people in, you know? It's crazy. And we'll wrap up here with this final thought on this whole white disadvantage myth, you know, especially in the workplace. And this is one of the foundational pillars of why we started Secrets in the first place. Mm-hmm. Because this myth just is crazy. And we know the receipts that we bring to you, the experiences that we hear from our people in the workplace, they just tell a very different story, right? <laughs> right, 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 right. Exactly. Just like, I don't understand where this whole thing came from. Like, when Ricky and I met 10 years ago in 2013, mm. that was the first time. Happy anniversary, by the way. Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> it was the first time, I think, that either of us had been in an executive room with two black leaders. Yeah. That were actually the leader for the function. Yeah, for the function, right. Right. And I'll mention, I ain't experienced this since. 
Yeah. <laughs> Since you and I stopped working together. It's it's usually you 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 you're usually friends with the man sitting next to the man. Right. Or sitting next to the woman. That's you know right. what I'm saying? But mm-hmm. not like the leader. The leader. Right. Right. At the end of the day. And if you listen to certain media outlets, you would think that people of color are tripping all over each other, gobbling up the top jobs and positions of power in this country right now. <laughs> if you listen to this shit, yet if you look at the facts, we can still count on the number you know, count the count the number of black CEOs in the history wow. of this country leading a Fortune 500 company on two hands. Wow! <laughs> right, it's ten. Okay, it's less than ten. It, well, it's definitely less than ten now because we know a couple of them then dropped out this year in the history uh-huh. of this country. Yep, and we know that BIPOC executives—that's all BIPOC people. Yep. BIPOC executives Adding still up. make up less than fifteen percent of C-suite roles combined we're not double clicking we're talking about all oh and we know all the receipts we've talked about them about generational wealth gaps the income gaps the opportunity gaps that have existed since stats started being collected at the end of the day so nothing has changed so i have a real hard time understanding where this white disadvantage exists and based off of what we know now with the laws being changed and the rhetoric and, and all of the narrative, they're trying to keep this shit intact. Totally. <laughs> you know this what is what like, it's all about right this now. This right here is the, is the smoke screen. We are you in know, right the here. moment right now where it's like we are digging in. Yeah. Look, KP, I just got to be honest, man. Like the impact of this for me is like really, really deep. I know that I can soapbox this and talk about it forever, but talking about this is exhausting, Right. But having to live through it on a daily basis takes way too much energy because it's like white noise. Like the, the we're talking about this. You can't even get regular stuff done. You can't even get this done. But that's part of the system. Absolutely. Like it, the system is built for us to doubt ourselves, for us to be uh, dismantled in terms of being a collective unit mm-hmm. and coming together and being on code. Like all of the stuff, the impact, you know, here is we're distracted. Because we're focused on the white noise. Absolutely. I like that little play on words, by the way. <laughs> I heard that. I heard that. And the more of the story to me is like, this white disadvantage myth is just that. It is a myth. Right. And I would go in even further and say, it's actually BS. <laughs> At the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? This is like, it's BS. But you know, we've spent a lot of time talking about our, what, what people would like to say, we're getting emotional, you know, about stuff. Well, this is the part when we, we verify validate, come to you with these receipts because we know we're not crazy, right? And today's the secrets that we're going to um, uh, speak to you about is we're just going to share some receipts on how the white disadvantage myth is just that, a myth. Mm-hmm. So KP, hit us with receipt number one. Yeah. So receipt number one, a 2023 study by the Science Digest involving 12,000 job applicants found that ethnic minorities received 57.4% fewer positive responses Mm. from employers compared to those with traditional ethnic names, despite having identical resumes. So they literally put candidates forward that had identical resumes except for their, except for their names names Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. So it's just like, what do you, what do you do with that? Yeah. How do you call something a, a disadvantage or an advantage? When you got that much disparity, 57.4%. Yeah, you winning. 
I mean, like, 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 like you winning, like that, that is an advantage. That is an advantage. Because we're talking about equal qualifications. That's right. And your advantage is your name. Yes. (laughs) Just (laughs) right. Look, man, receipt number two, the Lumina Foundation reported in a study, in a recent study that 34% of black Americans and 28% of Hispanic Americans have college degrees. Mm-hmm. Let that let that sink in real yep. quick. Okay, thirty four percent of Black Americans and twenty eight percent of Hispanic Americans have college degrees versus fifty percent of White Americans. The loss of affirmative action will likely make these numbers worse, leaving many people of color at a greater disadvantage in securing employment, especially for professional level jobs, thus impacting future generational wealth. Right there, we go making America great again. We didn't make this up. This is a study. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. The impact that's showing yeah. that. We're not just talking. That. We're not just talking. Yeah. I mean, it, it, you you tell me what these numbers or what that receipt means to you. That's right. And at the end of the day, theoretically, if affirmative action is giving us an advantage, we'd have like 90% of black folk and we, Hispanic people with college degrees yeah. and 10% of white people getting them. And and if, if, if the college degree equated to or resulted in what we what we think it would, mm-hmm. then we'd have more than 10. Yes. <laughs> you know, black exactly. CEOs exactly. in the history, in the history of corporate America. In the history of corporate and, America. And, and it gets worse if we talk about, if we double click and we talk about Hispanic, you know, Latinx, you know, CEOs and whatnot. So again, you tell me. It's a wrap. At the end of the day, what that receipt means to you. It's a wrap. And receipt number three, according to a recent study by Corn Ferry, after years of growth, the support for DEI programs that have hit a wall, that first hit a wall last year, are now actually on decline. Mm-hmm. According to a survey of more than 1,000 firms, leadership support for DEI initiatives has fallen by 18% in two years. So today, only one-fifth, actually one-fifth of companies offer no DEI programming at all. Mm-hmm. 20%, and the drop reflects a growing disillusionment with DEI efforts. And since last year, earning calls that mention DEI or green initiatives or even the term ESG are down by one-third. <laughs> so we have gone from the, you know, it was performative to begin with, which we already knew. Yep. But the fact that now everybody's just like... We didn't turn the page. Sure, we turned the page. We didn't turn the page. We, we talked about page. something else now. We talked about over. something else. That's right. We're we going back to money. Yeah, yeah. We didn't change the narrative. That's all that matters. You know, over here now, right? Again, smoke screen. Mm-hmm. Did you talk about something else? Receipt number four. According to uh, U.S. government data, beginning in the 1970s, income disparities began to widen, with income growing much faster at the top of the ladder than in the middle or the bottom. Household, as opposed to family, you know, income data, which are available only since, you know, 1967, show a similar pattern of widening inequity or inequality, excuse me, and scant growth in median income and uh, income at the 20th percentile following the 1999 and 2007 business cycle peaks. The best survey data show that the share of wealth held by the top 1% rose from 30% in 1989 to almost 40% at 39 in 2016, while the share uh, share held by the bottom 90% fell from 33% to 23%. 
the poor is getting poor. The poor is getting poor. And we already know we've shared receipts in the past yeah. of who's in the bot who's in the bottom twenty percent. Right. Is black and brown people. And now we're talking about this white disadvantage and we're talking about the lack of affirmative action and some of these other things. That number is going to increase now. It's gonna get bigger mm-hmm. as a result. And our final receipt to put what you were just talking about kind of in in racial terms to dispel this white disadvantage myth. According to the report, Wealth of Two Nations, the U.S. Racial Wealth Gap, 1860 to 2020, Mm -hmm. they talk about after emancipation, going back to 1860, proposals to provide former slaves with land so they could survive economically were largely defeated. We know after Lincoln got assassinated, that's what happened, right? We never got our 40 acres and a mule, right? Yeah, not at all. Thus, in 1870, the wealth gap between black and white Americans was a staggering 28 to 1. That's equivalent to just $4 of wealth for black Americans for every $100 for white Americans. And even if you fast forward 100 years, that gap is narrowed to about 6 to 1. And yet a significant gap remains. Average cap per capita wealth of white Americans was 338,000 in 2019 versus 60,000 for for white Americans versus 60,000 for black Americans. <laughs> Golly. Man, how to wool you out. Right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want, so where is the mythology? Yeah, yeah, where's the where's the disadvantage? <laughs> That's right. Like <laughs> where? Where? <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm struggling. Right. And think about it. We just picked out five receipts when we had hundreds yes. to choose from. Mm-hmm. Okay, but again, look, K- KP, we we spend time bringing our 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 you know emotions into it at times. We talk about the receipts to show this is there's a reason why we're talking about this. But at this point, we're gonna just switch into the secrets, right? Because yep. again, we can sit here and talk about this shit all day, but we want to leave our listeners you with ways to be proactive and to be able to change the system, so to speak. Right. So today we'll provide a double dose of secrets on how to personally help dispel the white disadvantage myth and what companies can do to create more equitable environments in the workplace. Personally, here are three secrets to help dispel the white uh, disadvantage myth. Number one, bring your receipts. Number two, be audacious. Three, tell your stories. So, KP, let's talk about secret number one. Yeah. So, secret number one, bring your receipts because we we all have our lived experience. And as you know, we have plenty of data <laughs> right? all, all day, all day. And so use that to your advantage. Right. Use that data to dispel these lies and propaganda and the world that we're living in right now, mm-hmm. because it's almost like an alternate universe in some ways of some of the messaging and some of the things that people are saying. I am a true believer that truth will win the day as long as we are consistent and committed, right? So don't fall into the trap, you know, of arguing with people and telling them that they're wrong. Just give them the data because this will only create defensiveness if you're just arguing with them, right? Just show them the data and like tap into their logic and tap into their humanity at the end of the day. You know, those receipts are really, really powerful because you can't really deny them. I, I, there's no such thing as alternative facts, def- right, despite right, right. what some people try to tell. Right, right. Exactly. <laughs> this, ain't, this ain't fake news. That's right. This you know what I'm saying? This ain't fake, fake news, news. Right? That's right? I mean, I, but, but, but to your point though, KP, I mean, I think, again, don't get fooled by the white noise. Yes. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, not at all, right? Look, secret number two, 
be audacious. I mean, find your inner Dion Sanders. Mm -hmm. Okay. Find your inner Angela Davis. Speak the truth to power. Be proud of your identity. Nothing invokes fear like a confident person of color fighting for our rights. Mm -hmm. The village. Yes. Okay. This is about more than just you. Like Gil Scott Heron said, like, and this was my dude, right? The rel the the revolution will not be televised. Okay. That's right. yes. It will not be. It will not okay. Be. So a lot of people ain't gonna know mm-hmm. what it is that you're doing. But to be on code, we have to be out in the streets, out in our neighborhoods, and advocating for change in our workplace. Yes. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay to fight. Yes, you know, it for is. what's right. It okay. Is. And it again, is. if we're talking about being on code, we're talking about all of us. Doing this, doing this at the right clip. Yes, there's no doubt. And the last secret for, for things you can do personally is to tell your stories. You know, just like that first secret I talked about, this is part of your receipts also. So it's not mm-hmm. just the data, it's also your stories. Yep. Rick and I share our stories because it dispels assumptions that people have made about us and about mm-hmm. our people at the end of the day. We've struggled and we fought to get where we are. Right. You know, we fought for others to get where they are. And we still struggle with a lot of external static that could cripple us at any moment at the end of the day. And that's what a lot of people don't understand because they just see what they want to see. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the day, this really doesn't feel like advantage to us. You know, at the end of the day, you know, we don't have the advantage of believing that everything is going to be okay all the time. History history shows us otherwise. Otherwise. That's right. There's always something that's going to pop up. Yeah. Now, look, KP, those were some good, like, secrets that that we talked about personally. Now, here are four secrets on what companies can do to create more equitable workplaces and dismantle the white disadvantage myth. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, secret number one, implement blind recruiting okay eliminate personal identifying information from applications and scrub resumes for the information as well before sharing with hiring committees right mm-hmm. we don't want people to um we want to protect people from themselves yes okay exactly. we want the best person to be hired you know where wherever we can remove the names addresses college name graduation dates and other information that may provide identity clues software packages such as recruitees and pinpoint can help erase personal identifiers. I mean, I think this is important at the end of the day. We see the data. We see mm-hmm. that more folks who are black and brown have education over the white counterparts. Yes. And the white counterparts are still getting it get like, the job. Get, get, like way over based all, off of just all, names. All the time. So we can eradicate that, you know, by doing going into this this blind recruiting phase for uh companies. educational requirements for certain jobs, right? Remove those unnecessary degree requirements because you should be looking at the total experience of Mm -hmm. your applicants and allow years of service, work service to actually substitute for college degrees at some point, because we all know our college degrees have a shelf life at the end of the day when it comes to our ability to do jobs. I mean, probably after three or four years, that college degree ain't going to matter that much. That right. was all kind of technical and theoretical check knowledge the yeah, right kind of thing. The but really mm-hmm. the experience of where you at is what really matters. And as our receipt pointed out earlier, 
these these efforts to eliminate affirmative action will likely decrease the employment opportunities for people of color if companies just rely solely on college degrees as one of those necessary hiring factors or mm-hmm. differentiators in terms of people who they do hire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. It's gonna be to interesting. See, you know how companies you know navigate. You, you're gonna be able to see who really cares, mm-hmm. you know, about what's happening, you yes. know, societal versus. Who's just going to just fall in line? Okay. Receipt number three, create opportunity statements for job openings versus a list of required and desired skills. An opportunity statement describes the company, its current aspirations, and how the open role can help the company reach its potential. This switch allows for a broader range of potential applicants and eliminates some of the hiring biases. I mean, we see them all the time. It allows people, especially folks who may self-eliminate, you know, themselves from consideration to imagine how they may be able to contribute to the future of the organization. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, this is a really interesting, you know, thing just in terms of like, usually when we read job recs, it just has, you know, this is what I want. This is what you have to have. But really like opening up the space to like, allowing people to see themselves, mm-hmm. you just never know who you're going to get. Yeah. At the end of the day, who's going to apply? And there could be some really interesting people in there who never imagined themselves being able to work in in a, in a sales role or a, you know, a DEI role or whatever the case yeah. may be that when you kind of describe where the company is trying to go, it's like, I can do that. Yeah. Or, or <laughs> even aspirational goals. It's like where you can see what you want to be. I mean, yes. I think about, you know, I always tell this, 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 not necessarily the story, but this is the reality is, as as accomplished, you know, people of color, oftentimes when we get interviewed, people are interviewing us to figure out how we were able to accomplish yes. what we've accomplished versus being able to spend time talking. It's missed opportunity, right? Because they could be spending time talking about how we can add value to what the company wants to be or where they see themselves and how we fit in. Yes. Right? Yes. So we've missed the opportunity. Missed the so opportunity. we're talking about changing the paradigm there and adding those opportunity statements to the actual job opening, yes. you know, there so that I think you can get closer to that. Yes. And our last secret for companies is really be truthful and yep. intentional about weaving DEI into your strategic plan and annual goals, right? DEI should be an integral part of like our everyday work. Mm-hmm. It cannot be a separate program, something that's a set aside in yep. this in a separate container box that we that we put it in and taking an equity lens to every practice process every product or or service development cycle that will create some normality yep and it also will create better customer solutions it also create expanded markets for the company at the end of the day if you integrate it into the work as opposed to having it as a set aside yeah yeah, I mean, it, it, and it's it's crazy. I mean, this should really be part of the D, like part of the the actual the mission statement. It should be part of you know some of the core values you know for the organization. You should be able to find this easily on the uh, company website. Mm-hmm. People who are or advocates or ambassadors for the organization should be. They should know what the DEI statement is. They should know. Yes. You know, these things. So it should almost be mandatory for you to be speaking about these things. Yep, for you sure. You know, there. 
for sure. And as we wrap up here, you can find more resources on these secrets and the receipts that we shared earlier by going to our website, secret.com, looking in those show notes for this episode. There's plenty of good things in there for you that we weren't even able to talk about. (laughs) Right. And look, KP, man, this has been a powerful episode. And, it, you know, and we've been able to touch on some serious stuff. You know, yeah. We've been able to laugh a little bit, too. And But I, hopefully we've been able to dispel the white disadvantage myth. OK, we need to do better as we wrap up again, as you spoke to earlier. We just want to thank our Secrets Village for your support. I mean, because of you, we have the platform to talk about these. Yes, things, absolutely. Right. I mean, literally, we're getting text messages. We're getting messages in our inbox so like in the, for, with, uh, within our Secrets community of practice saying, can you believe this? And because of those things, we have topics to talk about. So again, we can't do any of this without you. And we're just truly humble about it. We're trying to blow it up as we wrap up 2023. So you can help us out by just telling five friends to listen to secrets, join our LinkedIn group and write a review on Apple or Spotify also, get that gear. It's starting to get cold. That's right. It's That's starting right. to get cold, That's so right. you're going to need a sweatshirt. You're going to need layers. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> That's right. And we have that coin meter spinning on our website. We've helped you get over $8 million in total compensation increases over the past two years. We're trying to get that sucker to 50 yep. so we can shut it down. I, if we get to 50, we may not shut it down. We'd yeah, be like, yeah, let's yeah, get exactly. 100. Get well, then, 100. then the revolution is going to be televised. That's right. That's right. Because we're competitive. We're competitive. <laughs> but if you've been putting off coaching, just stop it. It's This is really the time to invest in yourself. Tell a friend also to do the same thing. If you believe in what we've been doing and if we've helped you in the past, play it forward, right? And if you need help negotiating a salary, talking about that next job, talking about your severance agreement, revising that resume, Mm -hmm. just book an hour with us. It will be more worth it than you can actually believe. You won't regret it. Look, KP and I know that one place where we are not disadvantaged is when it comes to throwing down on a cocktail. Oh, you you ain't kidding. My cocktail is a little low right now because we've been talking. So we're going to fill these cups up and get back at it. So Secrets Village We just appreciate you and we love the fact that you all keep sending us more and more topics to talk about, more people to talk to. That's right. As well. So, again, we just want to thank you all for tuning in to Secrets. And remember, when we share, you transform. Take care, everybody. Peace. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed yet another episode of Secrets. If you are motivated and excited about being a part of the Secrets Village after listening to Keith and Ricky, please show these brothers some love by spreading the word to people that you know need this knowledge. Until next time, cheers.